All right, well, glad everybody's here. Let's go ahead and open up in prayer. And um, I have a couple of quick announcements, and then we are going to jump right into this new study that we're going to be doing. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you could bring us all here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just go before us, Lord, prepare our hearts to receive what you have for us, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to comprehend. I pray that you would just be with your people that are here and those that weren't able to come. I know some said that they had sickness in their families said I pray just for healing and for rest and God that you'd meet everyone's needs Lord we ask you just to have your way tonight in Jesus name amen a couple quick announcements we have some things up on the screen again we are starting a mom's group in February and that's open to moms of all ages and stages it's going to be two Monday nights a month at 6 30 here at church Stephanie Surlack is going to be leading it and officially the group is going to be called Sammy's and we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means um but there is a book that we're going to be going through. The book costs $12, and we have a sign-up in the back for anybody who wants to grab a book. You don't have to get the book to come. We just want ladies to come and connect, and it should be a really good time. Um, also, we have coming up game nights starting in February. That's going to be, what, the second Saturday of the month? Is that right, Jess? Jess and Kevin have graciously decided to start just a fun family game night on Saturday afternoons. And so we'll have more information about that as it gets closer, but basically bring some games and some fun and come and hang out with a bunch of other people. Um, and I think that's all the immediate announcements. Again, our, our Celebrate Recovery group will meet tomorrow night. Um, and also we will be doing a workshop next month um, that kind of ties in with our series we're going to be doing, and I'll tell you more about that as we get closer. Um, but this new series we're starting is called A Devoted Life. And as we were kind of praying and talking about where to go on Wednesday nights, the thing that Pastor Jared and I both felt strongly was that a lot of the stuff we cover on Sundays about prayer and devotion and what it means to fully follow Christ, we don't get a chance to kind of break that down. And so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be breaking it down and making it practical. Um, and this first week, um, if you have a title for it, it's going to be What is Devotion? The title for this week is What is Devotion? And devotion, the literal definition is love, loyalty, enthusiasm for a person, activity or cause. As you can see, I'm showing my devotion for Star Wars tonight. <laughs> um, this was with purpose. Um, it also, in regards to religious life, refers to piety or godliness or holiness. So when we talk about being devoted over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at it from that perspective, that... It's about love, loyalty, enthusiasm, piety, godliness, holiness. The thing that God has called us to, to have a life that's fully devoted to him. And our journey towards God often begins with belief. You know, for many of us, at some point in our lives, we came to a realization that there really was a God. You know, we may have, from the time we were kids, been told by our parents and just thought it was a great idea. Or maybe later in life, we came to some sort of profound experience that told us that God existed that we believe in God, and that we believe that God is real and that God made everything. So there's this point of just recognition that God is there. And that's like the first phase of devotion, that, okay, this is a real thing, this is a real person, this is a real something that exists, and we're okay with that. Um, in the Christian walk, after belief comes acceptance. We accept what Christ did for us. We accept that he, we have sinned and that, that sin is against God, and we embrace the idea of forgiveness. And so after belief in God, we come to some form of 
acceptance of who God is and what God did for us in accordance with the scriptures. And for a lot of people, that's about as far as they go. In fact, modern Christianity um, has, has taken this concept of, of belief in following Christ and has taken out a very important part. And a man by the name of C.D. Alexander said, conversion, which is what that acceptance is, this idea of converting, of choosing to believe that Jesus died for us, choosing to accept that we are sinners, and that we have sinned against God, and that because of that, there's a cost, and that Jesus paid that price for us, that con- converting by acknowledging that and asking for God's forgiveness from that. Conversion without discipleship is openly implied in much of our ev- evangelical teaching. It has become strangely possible to become Christ without taking up the cross. And when we talk about this idea of acceptance and about devotion, another word for a devoted life is a discipled life. A life where we are becoming Christ's disciples. And modern Christianity has the idea of following Christ wrapped up in a nice little package. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, kind of sums that up. And I'm going to be using a paper Bible, so it'll take a little bit longer, but I like it. So if you're coming on Wednesdays, bring your Bibles, because we are going to go through verses. Um, Whether they be on your phone or on, bring it along, because it's fun to... To flip through here. And it says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it's a familiar passage for a lot of us, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And this idea that many of us have been brought up with, that, that if we just believe these things and we confess these things and we pray a nice little prayer, then we're good. And that's the end of our devotion. We don't pursue anything beyond that. We don't take any further steps. But that we simply say, okay, God is real. I believe what the Bible says that I have sinned against God. That God sent Jesus to die for my sins. And if I, I confess these things and I believe these things and I ask for forgiveness, then I'm good. And it's something that has been taught. And it's it really diminishes the fullness of who and what we're doing when we make that statement. The reality is what it means to know and follow Christ is better seen in Matthew chapter 10. Like I said, I like to go through a lot of verses, so we're going to go through a lot of verses tonight. And somebody really needs to make a Bible app that you hear the pages flipping while you're, <laughs> you're looking at the verse. For those of us that just, I missed that sound of hearing the pages rustling in the service. So somebody get on that, okay? Can you do that, Peter? Can you make an app where you can hear the pages rustling? That'd be awesome. Okay, so Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. Jesus says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. Okay, sorry. Did I go to the wrong place? I went to the wrong place. Okay, ignore what I said. Um, Let's go to Luke chapter 14. That was one of those moments where I needed God to move the verse to a different spot because I wrote down the wrong reference. Just kidding. <laughs> Luke chapter 14. Verse 27 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
That's what Jesus said we had to do to follow him. It's a little bit different than what a lot of us hear. That if we just pray a nice prayer and ask God to forgive us, then we're good. But Jesus said our devotion, our love, our passion, our zeal for God should make everything else in our life appear to be hatred. He's not saying don't take care of your family, don't love your family. I want to be very clear about that. We are entrusted with them and responsible for them. Um, But he is saying that for us to follow him, we die to everything in our lives. And without it, we can't be disciple. And for many of us, we make this promise, we make this commitment to God, and it's almost like if you were to go to a wedding, and the bride and groom are up there, and they say their vows, and it's this emotionally charged thing, and it's awesome. And they're like, do you promise to love, honor, and cherish this person in sickness and in health, for better or worse, as long as you both shall live? I do. And the other person says that, and they do, and they're crying. And it's awesome. They exchange vows, and they have this big party. And the next day, they go about their lives as if they never said a word. They wake up the next morning. They don't even talk to each other. And they go about their business. For many people, that is the relationship they have with God. They make this emotional, passionate commitment to follow Christ at an altar or with a friend. They say the words that they're told to say because they they know they're sinners. They know that they have sinned against God. They believe these things. But their life bears absolutely no reflection of the transformation that God said would happen when we believe those things. If we... are to truly follow Christ, to truly live a life of devotion. It's a life completely filled with self-sacrifice. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 2, starting with verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, goes on to say, I'm sorry if I seem winded. It's because I'm pregnant. So (laughs) it's because the baby's pushing on my breathing here. Okay. Um, For we through the spirit eagerly await. Let's see. Chapter five. Oh, sorry. I've got verses and I'm like, oh, that's a good one. But that's not the one I need. Okay. 24 says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And that word flesh means our our selfish, our self-desires, the things that come with living in this world, that come with being a part of this human condition. And then Colossians, chapter 3, verse 3 says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. That's the literal definition of what happens when we give ourselves to Christ is that we are supposed to die. When we do baptism, um, for those of you that have been here for baptism, we do the immersion baptism. And that immersion is a symbol of us literally dying with Christ and being reborn again. When we lived overseas, we had the privilege of seeing an ancient baptismal site, and it was one of my favorite things to go to. Because what you did is you walked down these stairs... And it was underground, and there originally would have been like a big like glass dome that you would have looked up. And the people went down to the baptismal nude. They went down naked. They went down to the baptismal naked. They were baptized. And when they were, after they were baptized, they were given white robes, and they went up the other side. 
And the reason they had it underground is because they took that, that, that picture of dying with Christ and being reborn so, so truly that they literally put them down into the grave, so to speak. Just as you would have been buried then, they'd have wrapped you up naked and stuck you in the ground. And so you came down, leaving everything behind, no jewelry, no clothing, nothing of this world did you bring with you. You were baptized, and you were given new robes and a new life as you walked up the other side. And it was such a profound picture of what it means to follow Christ, that, that symbolic death that baptism represents, which is why he says, you know, believe and be baptized. It's not just because we needed a bath, but it was to make a public statement of, yes, I've chosen to follow Christ, and this is my death that you're witnessing, that I have died, and I'm born anew. Just as the child is born, the waters break, and that child comes forth, that rebirth in those waters that happen, um, this picture of this that t- takes place. But too often we, ne- we neglect to embrace this aspect of the Christian life. Too often we are comfortable living as we want to live. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and is acceptable in the perfect will of God. That we would present ourselves as living sacrifice. And you know, when this was written, this idea of sacrifice wasn't so foreign as it is to us. Um, Both the Jews and the Gentiles participated in sacrificial practices. As a Jew, when you went to the temple and you brought your sacrifice, I mean, you slit this animal's throat. You watched it die in front of you as payment for whatever sin or uncleanliness you had committed. I mean, the place ran with blood all day long. And the same thing with the Gentiles. They would go and they would sacrifice bulls and animals to appease the gods, often covering themselves with the blood of this animal as part of the rite. And so this idea of presenting yourself to be that sacrifice, presenting yourself to God, wasn't so vague the way it is for us. We get meat at the store, and it doesn't have a face even. So like the idea of actually having to kill an animal um, as payment for ourselves, or in some cultures, when this was written, humans were still being sacrificed. You know, when this came to some of our Celtic ancestors, they were well aware of what it meant for someone to become a sacrifice because they did it every year. And so for us to lay ourselves down in this real way to say that what God has done for me, what Christ has done for me, stirs a level of devotion that, yes, I need to die, yes, I need to be reborn. Yes, I need Christ to be the one that lives in me. Ephesians chapter 4. We take a look at that here. Starting with verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, having their being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness in their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness and greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, 
and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, the the author there is, is simply saying that if we truly have accepted Christ, if we truly believe what he has done, if we truly embrace what he said, then there will be a transformation that happens in us. And that transformation is evidence of Christ living in us, of us dying to self. And if we don't see that transformation work happening, we have to wonder, did we really do and are we really embracing what God taught us to do? Are we really dying to self? Are we really saying, God, let you be everything in my life. Let Christ live so fully in me that my passion and my devotion for the things of God make everything else seem as nothing to me. When we are fully devoted, we take on aspects of that person, that thing. Anything that we really get into. You know, Jess and I were talking Doctor Who before. You guys all got here because we're big Doctor Who fans. And I mean, I'm all a fangirl tonight in my Yoda outfit. And you, you see people like this, okay? We have Comic Cons and Star Trek conventions and Star Wars conventions and we have TARDIS Con and all these things. And if you go, you see people decked out head to toe like their favorite characters. And they spend so much money, it's ridiculous. If you don't believe me, go to thinkgeek.com and see the amount of money they charge for some of the awesome stuff on that website, okay? The, the investment people make... And you'll see those people will watch a favorite show where they start spending time with a new person that they really care about. And suddenly the way they dress, the things they're interested in, the way that they speak changes. Parents, you see this with your kids' friends. They'll hang out with somebody new and suddenly they have like a new phrase. Like, where'd you hear that? Well, so-and-so says that. My son has come home from school a number of times and said things. I'm like, well, where did you hear that? Well, so-and-so said this at school and I really like it. That, that interest, that devotion to that person begins to change the way that they act and they think and they talk. And it's the same with Christ, that as we make that commitment, we embrace who he is and what he's done with us, we begin to change. The things we say, the way that we think, the way that we view the world begins to change. And if it doesn't, are we truly devoted? Are we truly devoted? Because devotion brings about transformation. Because having that consuming love for Christ that we are to have will bring about transformation in our lives. And it says in the scriptures, you know, that we're supposed to be Christ-like. That's our goal. To be a Christian, the word Christian literally means Christ-like. And I know most of us know that. This idea that we call ourselves Christians, but being a Christian means like Christ. And I dare say most days I am not. You can ask my kids. They'll testify to that fact. (laughs) That mom doesn't act like Jesus very often unless we're talking Jesus in the temple with the money, money and lenders. I get like that Jesus a lot. Um, <laughs> but um, there's a lot of days that I don't act like Christ. And the example, one of the examples they give us in the scriptures of how Christ lived that I want to challenge us with today is in Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 1. He says, therefore, is, there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love. If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. 
let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's some interesting things we know about Christ. I mean, this idea that God came down and became nothing so that he could become everything for us. That he could have saved himself, that he could have said, forget you all, I'm done. He could have destroyed everything in the whole world and been like, we're done with all of this. Thanks for playing, we'll start over. He had the capabilities to do that, but he chose not to. And instead gave us this picture of this person. And you know, we talk about the life of Christ and we think of him as being this big, awesome, famous guy. But the reality was he was here for 30 plus years and for 30 of those years, the only people that knew him were his family and friends. Think about it. His ministry was just like three years or so, and that was it. That's all we have record of. And that God was among us, just living and working and hanging out for 30 years. We get impatient when we have to wait six months to, <laughs> to start something. And for 30 years, he just hung out with us, hung out with his mom, the, they believe his father, Joseph, died. He buried his father. He went through the normal things that a guy like him went through with friends and struggles. And it wasn't until later that he came out and began to do the things that we know he did in the New Testament. And this picture that God came and dwelt with us and didn't come in and say, here I am, here I'm God, everybody bow to me, this is your last chance or I'm burning the place. He just lived, lived a sacrificial life, an example for us, and says, now you do as I've done. Live this sacrificial life of devotion to me and to one another, that we would be lowly in our mind, that we'd esteem others better than ourselves, that we'd look not just for our own interests, but to the interests of everyone else, in true humility and sacrifice. A.W. Tozer, who's a famous teacher, he's written some really awesome stuff if you're looking for some things to add to your library, said, in every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne. And he, this, hangs, this is the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among the gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist Christ do all the dying. No cross for us, no death, no dying. We remain king within our little kingdom of man's soul and wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of a Caesar, but we doom ourselves to shadow and weakness and spiritual sterility. And I love that picture because that's the reality for so many people. They say, yeah, we want God in our lives, and we know we need Jesus, and we know we need to ask for forgiveness, and we know we've sinned against him, and we really don't want to go to hell. I hear it's not a fun place to hang out. The one in Michigan is supposed to be okay, but <laughs> the, the one they talk about in the Bible, not so much. And so we cling to these 
these ideas. But when it comes to letting God be Lord, when it comes to laying ourselves down, when it comes to taking up our cross, we'd rather sit on our own little throne with our tinsel crown and do nothing and have a Christian walk that is filled with weakness and sterility. That there's no evidence of us having anything to do with the things that God has called us to do. The Christian walk is supposed to be messy. We're supposed to get dirty. We're supposed to care for those who desperately need it. And most of them smell really bad. Let's just be honest. It talks about going to the poor and the needy. Those places don't smell good. You know, there are people today who died without the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's just a fact. People in our town, people in our country, people in the world. And God is asking us to embrace this death to self, to take up our cross and to do as he did. And what he did was he went to the lepers. He went to those that were demon-possessed. He went to those that were rejected by everyone around them, and he became truth and hope and healing for them. And that's what he's asked us to do. And if we are to live a life of devotion, we need to take a hard look at ourselves. And I think over the next week, if we just take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and we just read through it, and we take time to let God speak to us through it, I think God will begin to make clear to us the things in our lives that we have yet to surrender to him and the things that he wants us to embrace in this life of devotion because it's not enough to pray a pretty little prayer and say, I'm good with God. It's not enough to say, yeah, I've, I've, I've done that. I went to the altar, I raised my hand, and I asked Jesus into my heart, and I'm good because we're not good. The scriptures are clear. We're not good. He's asked us to die. He's asked us to become like him. He's asked us to embrace the fullness of who he is. And that first step of devotion to him is understanding what that even means to be devoted to him. And devotion to Christ means death. It means death. It means death to every little thing in our lives that holds us up against the things of God. And so my challenge to you this week is to take time to just pray about what that means to look at Philippians 2, to ask God to speak to you and ask him, am I taking up my cross or have I left it? Is the cross that I carry just something pretty I wear around my neck or hang on my wall? Or have I fully embraced what it is to follow you? And I dare say most of us in some area are going to say no. I know I'm going to say no. Because <laughs> I haven't in every area of my life. But I want to. And as we go the next few weeks, we're going to look at different aspects of what that devotion means and where we go with it. And so tonight, let's, as we start to close, let's just take a couple minutes to pray. Just ask God to speak to our hearts and, and just to not let this just be a reminder, but to let this be a catalyst for us to making this year a year where we really get it where we really take hold, because the reality is God is depending on us as his followers to do his work and his will, and if we can't do step one, how can we do number three or five or ten? Most of us are still trying to get past the first level. <laughs> we can't fight the dragon because we keep falling in the fire pit. So let's, let's let God take us there. Father, I thank you, Lord.
I thank you, God, that you call us in our imperfection to become your perfection. I thank you, God, that you didn't call us when we got it all together, but you call us at our worst, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that your word is here to remind us of who we are to be in you. And God, I pray over the next minutes and days and weeks that you would challenge us to truly start to die to self, to truly let you live in us, to truly embrace who it is and what it is you've called us to do and to be as your followers, Lord, that we would be fully devoted to you, that we would fully commit ourselves to you in every way, shape, and form, God, that we could say it is not I that lives but Christ that lives in me. It is because of his work that these things are happening. It is because of his life in me that I'm able to do the things that are, I'm doing. God, I just ask that you would just take us to that place. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as we, we take a look at your word even this next few weeks, next week, Lord, we look at this passage in Philippians, God, that you would just challenge us, Lord, that we would do those things, that we'd esteem others more than ourselves, God that we'd care for others, that we would count ourselves not so great, that we couldn't do the, the, the best for the least, I pray. God, I just ask you to be with your people, God, that you challenge us and change us, God, that we would embrace death, that you may be the life that's in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.